Welcome to another episode of Squad Academy with Dakbo and Adosa, where we share stories of African entrepreneurs and investors. This week, we spoke with Michael Oluwagbemi, who is the co-founder of Lofty Inc. Allied Partners and Lofty Inc. Capital Management. Lofty Inc. is one of the leading investment firms in West Africa, and they were early investors in startups like Andela, Flutterwave, Printivo, and many other disruptive African companies. Michael, who I like to refer to as Uncle Mike, is a multifaceted individual who has planted seeds in multiple sectors, ranging from fintech to agriculture, education, and even politics. Just a heads up, I completely got lost in that conversation and forgot to hit the record button at the beginning of the intro. So, this is going to start from where he's talking about his education and how he's a founding member of AfriLabs and the Lagos Angel Network. MBA from the University of London. I'm a professional engineer qualified in the state of Texas. Also a project management professional. I used to work at ExxonMobil and Wally Parsons and I went on to found my own company about um, 12 years ago, uh, which is called Loft Inc. Uh, to pioneer the innovation ecosystem in Africa. So uh, founding member of the AfriLabs, I used to chair the AfriLabs, which is the uh, continental network of incubators and accelerators uh, from 2015 to 2017. I'm um, also the co-founder of the Lagos Angel Network and uh, the uh, partner at the Lofting Capital Management, which is our venture capital um, that has uh, backed um, several companies that you know of, including Andela, Flutterwave, Printivo, Lance HMO, and so on and so forth. Um, so very deep and wide experience when it comes to helping to develop angel networks, when it comes to developing incubators and accelerators, when it comes to launching funds um, and raising money from diaspora, we have what we call an Afropreneur Syndicate, or Afropreneur Angel Group, AAG. Yeah. Uh, last year, we, I mean, we saw a data that says the, the most active investors in Africa, Y Combinator and Purple was supposedly number one, and each of them did 22 and 23 transactions. Um, AAG did about 35 transactions last year quietly. So this year already, this first quarter, we were done. I think we've done about 12 to 15 transactions already. Um, so so we, we continue. And most of the people that invest in that AAG syndicate are, are friends back in the day when we were professionally working in Houston, yeah. as the case may be, and are in diaspora today or they moved back to Nigeria or they moved on to other, other countries like Malaysia, Singapore, whatever. And they are the ones that have been helping us to back all these companies. And uh, we've been able to make some of them, you know, very happy, uh, returned quite a bit of money. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, continue to look at new transactions. We don't just do African transactions any longer. So last year we did some transactions. And we have actually, why well, we did 24, uh, 35, 33 in the US. In, in Africa, we did about 11 in the U.S. We did about five in South America. Uh, we actually did some transactions in Colombia. Again, we are footprints of transactions is everywhere. This week, we are closing a transaction in Germany, as I speak to you now. So it's um, everywhere and anywhere now. So 
goal is to make our members the syndicates uh, happy and um, to get that much necessary funding to our founders, uh, which at the end of the day, they are our number one customer. So that's it. Yeah. yeah. I'm really interested because you mentioned you, you lived in the US for 13 years before relocating fully to Nigeria. What was your experience like as an international student back then? Uh, my experience as an international student, I would say it was very, uh, I would say I was very joyful. I had one of those quaint experiences uh, at Prairie View. Very early on, I found a group of people that was like minds, and I quickly gravitated towards the techies. You know, most of them were in computer science. I started out studying computer engineering technology in, the, in Prairie View, and then I changed to electrical engineering. But I quickly hung around the techies for an exciting time, just right after the tech bubble burst. Okay. But uh, tech was still very interesting. People we knew, um, at least the academic environment of the uh, A&M University system, which I was part of, mm. which extended all the way to College Station because I did a lot of my internship at the NASA Space Station Research Center in uh, College Station in Texas A&M University and back and forth. Mm. Uh, working with Professor Lagudas, for example, and also on the Joint Strike Fighter program with the uh, US Air Force, um, right from my second semester, right? Nice. Um, it's a time of li- limitless possibilities uh, for me. I read, sponged up, found great mentors, um, uh, navigated, and I never really saw any boundary, to be honest. Okay. Um, that was my, it's a very joyful period of my life, I have to say. Yeah, that's good. So it's it's safe to say you were very driven from a from an early age, which is which is really good. Yeah, that's that's quite strong. So if you make a quick fast forward, right, from student version of yourself to 2015, I believe, when you moved back to Nigeria to fully focus on Lofty Inc. How was that mm. move? What sparked the jump, you know, to make that move back? And how has it been so far? You know, back then in 2015, that was still early BC. The BC link was mm. very early in Nigeria. So mm. how's that been like? Yeah. So to be honest with you, at the end of the day, you, when you decide to pioneer anything, then you must be willing to take the walk. In 2009, when we founded World of Things, that six years before I moved back, I got my letter, God bless his soul, that sent me an email from a friend of his who they used to work together. And uh, she had uh, said that the World Bank were looking for essay entry around how to solve the global problems of youth unemployment. Mm-hmm. And um, I was there working full-time at World Parsons. I had just finished my master's degree at the uh, University of Houston. And you can say it's one of those uh, in-between intermediate periods of your life. Yes. But it is those periods that you also have the ability, the sparks of those periods are what build and make you a man, to be honest. Because what happened is, uh, okay, I was not doing anything. I just finished my master. I've always been in school, like, by the way, since I was seven years old, um, almost seven, maybe six years old, I would say, up until this yeah. moment. So every year of my life, I was always writing exams <laughs> and everything, up until 2009. Okay. And I had, I just, yeah, I just finished that exam and I was, you know, there's this emptiness. I was working full-time um, at Wole Parsons, but it was not, because I, even when I started working at Wole Parsons, I started my master's immediately, so I was always busy with school and, and work. But suddenly, I had extra time. 
I would finish work and then just go home. And I would turn on the TV and it was all about the global financial crisis. And a bunch of my own friends who were either late in finishing university or they uh, remember this four years after I graduated in 2005. Or uh, they were doing their own master. They went straight to do masters and they were just graduating. They were graduating into an absolute abyss of unemployment. Yeah. And for most of them, they picked up their bags and just left to Lagos or left to Accra or left to Nairobi or left to Cape Town, as the case may be, because we had a, Houston is a, as you know, is a very cosmopolitan it's place. So we had, yeah, yeah so friends from everywhere. And everybody was just like, hey, look, uh, my OPT run out. I'm getting yeah. on the next plane. And so friends started disappearing. So this was the reality of 2009. It was a very scary year, very, very scary year. I don't know. If any of you were, was in the U.S. already at that time, but 2009, <laughs> no, were, yeah, 2009 <laughs> was a very scary year for most of people, and everybody was losing their jobs too. So even the friends that had jobs in 2009 were becoming jobless, and half of them, I lost half of my friends to Canada, left U.S. to Canada, right, because they were already Canada had started what they call the Skilled Workers Program (SWP), and those of us who were smart, who were were networked and knowledgeable. We had known, even though we were on OPT or green card, uh, it mm. that um, you could apply for these uh, track in Canada and then they would give you your visa just because you have a master's degree or you've oh, been in the yeah. US for a long time. Yeah, so, the plant-based system or something like that. Exactly, exactly. So they call it the skill program. They used to call it skill worker program. So yeah. while I applied, interestingly, I was maybe of maybe four closest guys to me that applied. I never, I think I was only one that never got it because I applied just before I finished my master's, but all of my friends were already at their master's. And so they got it. And this period also, even those of us who were employed together at the Pass, they would just come in the morning and say, Michael, they just give me a letter. You know, three projects have ended, clients have cancelled. I mean, it was a scary period in the world. There was global financial meltdown. The stock market melted down. Everything was going haywire, right? Um, yeah. And they just, again, picked up their load and I would tell me, oh, Michael, I'm in Calgary. Oh, Michael, I'm in, uh, in Nova Scotia. Oh, no, Michael. So it's just a very crazy period. But funny enough, wow. I had uh, crazy job security because in those four years, I'd transformed myself from a design engineer in uh, Wally Passes. I'd moved into project management. And for some weird reason, they decided that someone with just four years postgraduate experience was going to be the early construction project manager for Keystone Pipeline Project, the longest pipeline in the world. Mm. And they put me in charge. So I was not in fact, um, 2008, and I, if you talk to me about my job, I was doing, I was earning double my salary because I was on the field building this pipeline and the pump station between Netherlands, Texas, and Calgary. Oh. And for the two pump stations, and I, I would travel all weekend. So because you're on the field, you earn double time, right? So yeah. At the end of the year, I had double my pay. So I had this crazy job security while the rest of the world was melting down. So it almost seemed like an impossible thing to say. And then I received this email from my dad saying, global unemployment. <laughs> Boy, really, exactly. As if you, you expect, right? So I said, okay. <laughs> On one hand, I can relate because all my friends are losing their jobs. Your friends, yes, yes, yes. On the other hand, I can't relate because I'm not losing my job. But I know it's scary. to people who just been working for four years, three years, and they're suddenly losing their job. And it's America. When you lose your job, 
they lose their house. A lot of them yes. have picked up, bought new houses at second year or third year. And now they were homeless and uh, being foreclosed on. And these guys have done the right thing all their life. They've gone to school, they've earned a master's degree, they have a, a nice home, good credit. Yeah, good. They've not done anything wrong. I mean, then they lost the job because of some crazy people packaging mortgage you know, on Wall Street, right? And uh, everything went down the drain. So I started yeah. thinking, okay, there got to be a solution to this problem, right? I started researching new models because, again, I'm stuck in um, almost the same paradigm as my country, Nigeria. By the way, Nigeria also was experiencing a very um, precarious period, too, because of oil prices also nosedive with the global financial crisis. The price, uh, Naira depreciated from 100 Naira overnight and depreciated to about, uh, um, I believe at that time, about... Um, uh, 200 and, uh, uh, no, 100. It went from 100 to 175 initially, then finally yeah. to about two. So, Naira depreciation was 75% overnight. By the way, for all you are saying, technically, the depreciation, even in, under the last crisis, so far is yet to be up 75%. So, you can, the magnitude was more. People just don't remember, right? So, it went from 100 yeah. to 175. It's still not gone from 250 to 500 yet. I mean, it's close. So you have done almost five, but in that one, less than five months, the Naira oh. appreciated 5%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So everybody was scared. So, but I was here in, still working in the oil and gas industry. Like I said, I was caught in the same paradigm as my country. And I began to think, I say, there must be something different out there. There must be, the world must have a different path out of this crisis. Mortgage, I basically said, okay, these are the industries. Mortgage or real estate, construction, oil and gas, finance sector. Is there another connected, because these three sectors are connected, right? In the Essentially, that's energy, construction, and financial. Is there a way to have another industry that is decoupled from these three that the world can use to get back into Action. I started researching, reading a lot of Forbes magazine and Fortune, and I came across an article about Y Combinator. It was fortuitous, really, to be honest. I, I didn't plan, uh, you know, I just, I just came across the article and um, I read it. I tried to find out more about it. I dug, 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 and I started realizing that from the desperate losses of 2000, the other financial crisis that happened before I got to the US, there's a tech bust. They had grown a group of people, smart people like Elon Musk and Andresen, Ovowitz, all of these guys yeah, yeah. who applied the money that they earned, the little money that they could save from that crisis. The smart people yeah. had exited in time and put some money in cash. And what they now did was that quietly, while the rest of the world was focused on mortgage under George Bush and real estate and financial uh, innovation and creating creating nasty prime, subprime uh, CDOs and all that, they did not participate in that. All they were doing was advice smart startups, some of them called Twitter, some of them called Facebook, some of them called Tesla, some of them called Solar, uh, Solar all this. And they started putting small amounts of money in them. And they did not take a concentrated risk. So they, they sprayed and they prayed. Mm. 
And in that strategy, I began to realize that in crisis, there is an opportunity. Because when there's crisis, because I read the book that uh, Anderson had written then, I can't remember the book, but it was about how innovation came out of financial difficulty. Because there's crisis, number one, there was a massive amount of tech talent in Silicon Valley. Yeah. There was massive amount of tech talent in Silicon Valley that was willing to work for cheap. Some of them virtually nothing. They were willing to just, oh, there's Facebook going on. Oh, we join it. Are you, you know, don't worry, don't pay us, just give us shares. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because there was no job for tech. So I now, that connected with me very quick. I said, wow, tech talent, smart people, global connections. I think we can do something leveraging the fact that a bunch of Africans in diaspora, either my friends who were going back home after three, four years of working, or the ones that just graduated after master's degree or the one of, or bachelor's degree, going back to Nigeria, they are... They had no choice whether they wanted to go back or not. If they didn't go back, they would deport them. Right? But once they arrive in Africa, they have something others don't have. They have global connections to someone like me. I'm still employed. I have two or three or four or five of my friends that are still employed. We can give them $5,000. It will go far. Now the dollar depreciated from 100 to 175. You change it. Exactly. The money will go far. And they will give us a small stake in the entities they are building. And that is when the idea for Innovation Hub came about. And I penned the essay to the All Bankers Conference of Development Economics, ABCD in um, Stockholm, which I attended to present the paper. And after the presentation, I just saw a guy kept pointing at me, one uh, professoral-looking guy, uh, apparently Dr. Ajayi, who worked at the African Leadership Forum, which is the non-profits that was started by President Ulusheb Mombasa in 1979 after he left office the first time. Mm. So he beckoned to me and said, hey, young man, come here. I was in Stockholm. So I had gone to the bankers' conference. I delivered this paper about... The, I was one of the essay finalists that was chosen. So I was one of the 10. I went there and they, and they, and they were like, oh, the guy said, come, come, come. Come and talk to me. I even like, okay, who is this guy? I didn't even expect to see a black man in Stockholm in the middle of... The- <laughs> So I went there, sat down with him, and he's like, hey, all that thing that you're talking about, the right combinator, the, what do you call that innovation? Can you really practice? Can you do it? You say you're just talking. I said, yes, I can. You know, the guy was challenging me. Like, yeah, so you can do it. Okay, well, like, you just got a grant from a central bank to create an entrepreneurship development center in Lagos. Wow. I want to, I want to talk to you. Can you come to New York next week? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll come. Yeah, yeah I was single. I was, I was relatively rich. I mean, um, <laughs> I, I don't have much bills. Uh, uh, I, I didn't have any responsibility. I could look at the map there and I just said I would travel and I would travel. So nobody. <laughs> so the guy said, Ah, you want to you want to meet my boss and you want to explain what you just explained? I said, Yes, I will. He said, Okay, I'll call you. I just gave him my number, my US number. I never expected him to connect with me again. I left Stockholm after three, four, five days of private vacation myself just to relax and recuperate. And then I left to Houston. And then suddenly from nowhere on a Sunday evening in Houston, my phone rang. Hey, are you, are you Mike, Michael Ruagun? I said, yes. This voice sounding almost like Obasanjo's voice, right? And he's like, can you come to New York tomorrow? I said, I said New York? Wow. <laughs> I said, yeah, I can. I said, you, you met my, my colleague in Sweden last week and 
you know, you want to come and talk. He said, you have something that you want to show me. You know, these all of you, all these Yahoo, Yahoo generation. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll be there. I took, went online, booked my Expedia. Uh, and I was in, I took the first flight out. I called my boss fans. I was not going to be in the office the next day and the day after. And I was going, I had an emergency travel. I, I was very lucky. I always had good bosses. So um, he said, yes, no problem. So I went to New York, landed in New York, drove straight to Times Square. I just waited for him to tell me where it was. I never knew where I was going. I remember vividly uh, my friend Patrick and Darlington, Oguzi, were the one that picked me up at the airport. So I got to Times Square, just sat down, just enjoying the sights and sounds of New York. And my phone rang again. Hey, where are you? I said, I'm in New York. This time. Okay, okay. This is the hotel number. But come, come upstairs and see me. Well, can you get there in 20 minutes? I said, I think I can. I'll, I'll catch a car. Blue, 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 through the skyscrapers. I arrived in uh, the hotel and I, I walked into a room, a dark room, and uh, the, on the other side of the room, with a bottle of gin in his hand and a Yoruba Bible on the other hand, was uh, Ayuadiri Wali, who was chairman of Africa Leadership Forum. Oh, okay. So I said, I have the CDM money coming in. Tell me, tell me, convince me in five minutes that you people are serious and you should give you a space. I said, okay, people want to do this. this. Okay. He said, what do you call it? I said, uh, Innovation Incubation Initiative, IQ. Mm, it's a good mm. name. Good name. Mm. Good name. Uh, okay. Okay. Send your plan. Send your business. We'll just give you a room. I don't care what you do in it. Just don't do any yahoo yahoo. I don't want anybody. I don't want any fraud. No fraud. Wow. Okay. So he said, I, I said, he said, what do we need? I said, we need about five computers. We need um, their software, telephone. We set up my partner. You know, so interestingly, we had set up Lofting earlier that year in February. So this was June, I think. As I said, with my partner, who is Wally Oletai, who was my class, classmate in primary school. You know, he's doing, we are available to meet him and his team in Lagos. So I went, immediately I left the room, I went downstairs. I just knew I had something in my hands. I didn't know what I had, but I knew I had something. Yeah. Yeah. Went downstairs. I went straight to the airport. I was traveling right back the next same day. I called Wally. I said, Wally, blah, blah, blah. I just met this guy. He used to be going to research him. I quickly, I, I like Google a lot. So I Googled him. This guy is Obasan Joss. He was the one that goes right after all of Obasan Joss books. He's Obasan Joss, alter ego. This, 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 this. Wally was excited. Finally, the paper company that we created, we can do something with it. So the flight, I was working on the proposal. I landed, I sent it to him. Next day, he met with his partner, and then in about uh, three months, two months or so, uh, we signed the agreement with the uh, African Leadership Forum to take a small space in their uh, space in the Ikeja of Accra. And in those two months as well, I met interesting people who later became partners in the journey. Dami Agbola, who was working, who World Passes was, was uh, working for, essentially. So they, he was working in Chevron. And I was working in Wally. And he was with another friend of mine, uh, Bola Nikredi. And Bola said, you and this guy called Michael downstairs, you talk alike. You're always talking about Nigeria and blah, blah. I mean, I'm not interested in this, your Nigeria. Uh, let me link both of you. And I met Dami and immediately, immediately, myself and Dami eat it off. And Dami said, you know, this thing, I now started telling him about incubation initiative. He said, this thing you're talking about, is similar to an article I read last week by one guy called Idris Bello, who was my on my flight to America. Both of us landed in America the same day. 
and he's a smart guy. He's in University of Houston. He's graduated from University of Houston. Now works at Chevron as well. And he said, "I'm going to call Idris." And Idris said, "Hey, both of you come to me and present your ideas." So I came in to your room in a Saturday day on uh, in July August 2009, and yeah. I presented. Idris sat down like the is the decision maker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he interviewed me as was this idea, and I gave him the idea. Look, get small money, let's spend it, let's spray it, let's see whether it works. If it works, win. If you lose, it's not it's not going to hurt anybody. You know, five thousand dollars is not going to kill any of us. Three of us here can donate one thousand, one thousand five, and you know, and if it works, we have a hero. If it doesn't work, we have a zero. And we can make the life of a lot more people better, even by just that five thousand dollars. Let's look at it as charity. The guy said, "Okay, okay, okay. I think I like it." He had given an it. By the way, Idris was in Rice University at that time, doing his second masters. He has three masters degree now. So then he was in his second masters at Rice EMBA, and he yeah. had a weekend fast prototyping program called the Next Cool Idea. Yeah. So he understood what I was trying to say when I talked about fast prototyping get starting a company and doing it with little amounts of money. Yeah. Uh, immediately got it and realized that these guys are the right guy for us to follow. And then I was there with my then girlfriend. So I'm, I'm giving you all of this story so that you can understand the context, how yeah, unlike yeah, yeah. it, we connect together. Yeah. Um, very grand and big and you will be very surprised. Yeah. So I've talked about how I met, of course, Wally and I had always been partners all our life. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Talk to you about Idris and uh, Dami, Adami in Holy Passings, Chevron, and Idris. Now, there was a fifth partner in that joint, which I have to acknowledge. And they said, I'm going to explain to you how we met her. She's mm-hmm. the only female in the entire configuration, and she's much older than us. She's like, they call her, I call her my white mother. She's my mentor. Oh, Invest- yeah. I, I'm, I'm invested in, she's still invested in another company that we created this week. You know, she's, she's always there every time. I was then dating a lady. Um, uh, she's a PhD older now. She's Dr. Jane. And she's from Kenya. So, so I was telling her about this love thing, thing I'm doing, how we got to secure the space. We can do these, blah, blah, blah. She was looking at me. Mm, interesting, interesting. I mean, she's very cerebral. We went to college together. But we never dated while we were in college. Uh, we started dating just in that 2009, just maybe two, three months. While I was doing, flying all around the place, uh, doing Sweden and New York, that's when we started dating. And then she's, um, you know, she, she started um, saying, okay, this thing you're doing, interesting enough, I think I know somebody who might like to, because it's in Africa and it's innovation and she's been disturbing me. I'm saying, Jean, you are doing PhD. Why are you not in Africa? Why are you staying in America? So can I connect you? I said, yeah, yeah. I remember this conversation very vividly, right? I was with Jean in uh, Texas CNN where she was doing her PhD that evening. And she picked up the phone and called Marsha. Marsha Wolf. I said, hey, Marsha, this, uh, yeah, I met this guy. I'm visiting him. His name is Michael. Blah, 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 blah. Marsha was teasing. Ah, Michael, he's all this guy. So he's one of those, your smart guys that you're always dating, blah, 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 blah. And then she was like, yeah, you know, this one I even knew him before, but he's one of kind of random idiots or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> So like, okay, okay, uh, what do you want to say? Can you put him on the phone? So I took the phone and I said, hey, Masha, how are you? And Masha was like, wow, you, know, you sound like you know me before. I said, no, I don't. And I told him, he said, okay, what are you doing? And I explained to her. I said, wow. She said, you know what? I'm moving back to Silicon Valley next week. I just got divorced. Um, 
and I'm moving. I'm I'm technically retiring after this divorce because my billionaire husband we built they built a company together, which is a publicly listed oil and gas company, Pioneer Drilling, which was listed on New York Stock Exchange. Um, she's he's giving me a nice tidy settlement for the divorce, and I want to go just go and enjoy my money in Silicon Valley and sip wine and enjoy myself. But one of those things I've been looking into is this innovation space. And what you're saying and what you're telling me right now sounds exactly like what I want to do. Um, I've reached out to a school there called Monterey Institute of International Studies in Silicon Valley, and they are willing to bring me on as an associate professor while I'm working around this uh, idea of a frontier market scout in Africa. She's done some investment in Africa while she was in Pioneer Drilling, and she was the head of communication to her husband's company. They've done a lot of charity foundations in Kenya and all that. So she's very affiliated to uh, Africa, which was the reason why she was talking to Jane about Africa and going back. So she said, um, however, I, I leave Texas next week. Why about you come down, drive down to Fort Worth um, in Dallas, you know, to talk to me about what you're doing and maybe we'll see what you have. So I said, okay, fine, I will. So I told Dami, I said, Dami, hey, there's this white woman I talked to that my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend then, um, told me about and she wants us to come to Dallas. Are you coming? Say, yeah, why not? Let's get in the car. So we jumped up the car the next weekend and we're in Dallas. And there was a room full of Africans. Room full. I mean, about 30, 40 of us. Everybody pitching different ideas how to make Africa better. It was a send-off soiree for, for Marsha. And clearly she's a woman that is in love with Africa because the room was full of Africans. Massive house. You know, again, billionaire's wife, standard, first worth. And slowly the crowd started to thin out. Slowly the crowd thinned out. And the only people that were left in the room was Dami and I and Masha. Because she just got enamored by our idea. And she kept digging. What can you do? How can you do it? This And this was like, we looked at the time. It was already 1 a.m. Wow. And everybody was quiet. The only other person that was there, forgive me, is Teddy Rooch. Today, he's also running a rain tree farm out of Uganda, Kampala. So I always say that Teddy is my elder brother and the younger brother in Masha, among Masha's business children, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we are the two African kids she has. And if, anything, she, if she does anything with, for Michael, she does it for Teddy. She automatic. That's the way she operates. Like Teddy and Michael, Teddy and Michael. So I said, okay, fine. She said, okay, you know what? How about you guys come to... California, I will talk to the Monterey Institute guys and see how we can give you idea, leverage your idea with their own idea of having this couch. MBA students they can send to Africa to help African businesses grow. I said, okay, fantastic. We prepared a proposal. We sent it to her. She was in California. I said, okay, come over. We went over in October. She had a small dinner. I didn't go. It actually Dami that went because I was tied up with work. Dami went and people loved it. Um, at that same dinner meeting was a company called Village Capital that was also about to start. And Village okay. Capital today is one yeah. of the... Exactly. So Village Capital also came to pitch. So we pitched, Village Capital pitched. At that idea, they were, we were both paper companies then. We didn't have anything. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of that dinner, the decision was made that, you know what? Yeah, Village Capital should take India. Nothing should take Africa. Hmm. And that we should go after trying to create this frontier market scouts program with them. And that we should come in January because they cannot pay us cash. They don't have anything to help us in terms of cash. But what they can do is if we come teach them 
or teach or train their students in readiness for this scouting program, they can pay us a consultancy as, as adjunct professors. Mm. So January 2010, I remember vividly, I took myself, Dami, and Idris. We went, we rented one hotel room. So we convinced Idris to come. By the way, Idris had joined us and I said, okay, Idris said he was interested. I said, okay, you interviewed us, but guess what? You are joining our company. You are going to come in as an associate. And then he came in on the trip as an associate with myself and Dami as partners. Wow. So we got to Monterey, beautiful weather in January, by the way, 2010. And we got into the classroom and Village Capital will come and teach and we'll teach. We have slides. Idris is a natural teacher. By the way, one interesting news, uh, uh, story during that trip was that uh, uh, myself, Idris, and Dami shared a room. And because I'm the youngest of the three of them, I was made to sleep. Uh, I slept on the floor. <laughs> well, they, they, they oppressed me. Even though I was the, I was the founding the, the, partner. The partner, the partner and the associates. Uh, they, they all oppressed me. They said it's my age. It's not my partner. <laughs> so, no problem. I said, no problem. I will sleep on the floor. So, it was very good times. I mean, these were beautiful times. And hmm. got in a classroom. And apparently, we oversold Africa. At the end of the program, 80% of the people wanted to sign up for Africa and they want to do India. Hmm. And I used the word oversold because it was the first lesson I learned. <laughs> and they're not being able to match it. Match it. We finally chose mm-hmm. five students, five students, American students, and we got the money from the program. We rented a house in Agegi, Agegi, by the way, Agegi, Lagos, a three bedroom apartment, and decided that we're bringing these MBA Americans directly <laughs> from Monterey, California, to come and be living in Agegi. <laughs> Oversold. <laughs> Oversold. <laughs> and we launched Renovation Hub the next month. Huh. February. So Renovation Hub came before Lofty Inc. Allied Partners? No. It's actually Lofty Inc. Allied Partners existed in 2009. Okay. 2009. company at that time. As a paper yeah. company. Yeah. 2010. Okay. All of this story I gave you now is 2010. Okay, I, okay, okay. Yeah, all of this story I gave you now is 2010. But 2011 February was when we opened the door of Renovation Hub. It was not a business. It was oh, just, okay. it was not his own like scouting, yeah, scouting program. Yeah, it was okay. just a program that we were running called Renovation Hub. And we initially called it, remember the initial name was IQ. Yeah, yeah. Innovation, yeah. That's what I sold to my friends in uh, African Leadership Forum. But when I say, ah, it's, it's too, it's too wordy, right? Let's make something. We said, okay, let's remove the I in innovation and replace it with we. Mm-hmm. And also the we will stand for West Africa. So mm-hmm. that's okay. how we got the word innovation. Okay. Okay. Nice. Okay. So, so at this point now you have Renovation Hub, you have Lofty Inc. Allied Partners. Yes. How did Lofty Inc. Capital Management come to the picture? Yeah, so the reality was getting renovation up off the ground was tough. 2011, we maybe didn't know what we were doing. The Frontier Market Scout guys came. They probably hated us by the time they left. <laughs> there was a big melee. However, we did something interesting just about the time we started, and I consider it the biggest success of that year. There was this uh, MIT program, the Monterey Institute of Technology, 
called African Innovation Technology Initiative. And somebody out of Massachusetts reached out to Idris and said, hey, do you guys want to take three guys, African guys, who are just who are just finishing their own MBA as well, but are coders, and they can come to Nigeria to train your Nigerians how to write a Google app application. At this time, Nigeria had nothing about Google Apps, no app developers, nothing. They had something going, which we used to call Momo, uh, Mobile Monday, mm. uh, which was a, a mix. So immediately, we got these guys, we coupled them with our MBA guys from Monterey, and we created a program at the University of Ibadan. I came home then, in my I always, I always used to come home every twice a year, and um, I used that vacation essentially one or two weeks in Ibadan, and we trained about 100 students. And out of that 100 students, they asked them to create companies, and two two teams emerged from the entire 100 students. Those students knew how to now develop a mobile app, Google app, and that was the beginning of the spark. I can easily tell you that of the leading developers in Nigeria today, at least 50% of them came from that program. Wow. Wow. So we left University of Nigeria. It was almost like a free thing. We got this guy, okay, come. You guys have, uh, we're the leading guys in innovation hub contests. Come to Lagos, we incubate you. We give you a computer room. You can create a company. We give you a business card. Yeah, nothing really came out of it, to be honest. We retrieved some of those companies later on. But almost every employer that employed those people always reached out to us. Say, you guys have the best people. You've trained these guys. They were well-trained. Well, we had talent from across the world. Train them. And that's the reason why they were well-trained. Uh, 2012, uh, we got some contracts to do some work for African Innovation Prize. We just barely stayed afloat. We're still funding the companies from our own pocket. 2013, somebody reached out to us and said, you know what? What you guys really need in Africa is an angel investor network. And this is the story, beginning of the story of Lofton Capital Management. And the guy said, well, you know, um, the World Bank is looking to assist different countries to create an angel network, to create an innovation ecosystem, blah, 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 blah. We've been looking at the, what you guys are doing in tech. Can you guys talk? I said, okay. So we jumped on the call with the, the World Bank IFC guys. They have a division called InfoDev. And at the end of the conference call, they awarded us a contract to help start the first angel network in Africa, which is the Lagos Angel Network. $5,000 contract. I remember how proud I was signing our first dollar contract at Lofting. Wow. <laughs> and immediately I got a rally round to the Elumelu Foundation, Edmond Dotson Suleiman, who was the chairman of InterSwitch, guy that was the founder of uh, E-Transact, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Donye, who is the, the chairman CEO of Mainstream. Main one, sorry. Uh, so we, we just got all the tech, I call it tech 1.0 guys. You know, you made some money in tech. You can also help seed the next generation. It was a pitch. We were held at uh, Whitbaker. I literally flew into Nigeria that day. I was still working at Wally I flew into Nigeria. Um, okay, pardon me. I stopped. I left Wally in 2012. So, by the way. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I left Wally in 2012. So, I was no longer in Wally in 2013. So, I had a little bit of more flexibility. Okay. 
So I flew in from the US 2013, went straight into the meeting, the Lagos Angel Network pitch, led it, had pitched them heavily about what could be done and what can be done and how, you know, they can help seed the next generation of innovators. They've made their money. Mm -hmm. I'm taking some risk. Why don't you guys join us in taking risk? And they all clap for us. Good, 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 good. And they all agreed to form uh, Lagos Angel Network under the leadership of my Egmont, Tommy Davis. Okay. Mm, yeah. So, so Egmont, Tommy Davis, um, God bless him. He had just come back to retire in Nigeria. And um, he was looking for something to do. And yeah. he had a little bit of change in his pocket from London after working many years in London and being a contractor consultant in Nigeria and felt he had time. So, and he gave us his time, which I think is the most important thing. And I also was very insistent and telling my guys that we don't want to own it. Let this be owned by the angels. Let this fly. Let this be for this ecosystem. And about the same time, an organization was formed by four or five pubs in Kenya called AfriLabs. And they called me and said, hey, Michael, you guys, you guys want to join this thing called AfriLabs, all the incubators, accelerators coming together? By the way, I had just taken a trip to Ghana myself to go and meet the founder of the first accelerator there called MEST. And I enjoyed myself. Wow, and I think, so MEST started in Ghana? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, wow. MEST started in Ghana. So I was, on the, I was in their office. When they were the ones telling me about this organization in Kenya, that have we gotten a letter? I said, yes, I just got a letter. I just got a call. He said, oh, are we all good? I said, yeah, let's all of us join. We're just learning from each other, Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana, and all that. So we recruited ourselves. And so AfriLabs came to being around that time. Around the time we started Lagos Angel Network. And things started moving. And then for us at Love Think, that 2013, a young man walked into the room. His name was Nyaboyeji. <laughs> and said, uh, he had his, just graduated from the degree in law and, uh, what was it? Law and hats or something like that out of the University of Toronto. And he didn't want to work for anybody and he felt, uh, he was just 21 year old and he, he felt that he had tech idea if he used to change the world. Yeah, law and media. That was the course he studied. And I was looking, who studies law and media? What kind of question? <laughs> so he came and he uh, yes, so that, yeah, you'd be Michael, that's what you always say we should do. So I'm going to take a bet on him. I'm going to get some of my friends to take a bet on him. We are going to back him. 110,000 US dollars. They were, they were, all of us were still based in Houston then. We gave him. And next time I was coming back into Nigeria, that December 2013, uh, Idris told me, I said, he said he's struggling. Oh. The money has almost run out and nobody to help him. I said, really? Said, Can you tell him to meet me at the airport? Because I was already almost on my way out of Nigeria, Nigeria back to Houston. Yeah. In a rush, 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 try to catch up with me. We missed ourselves. So I, had, I was already taxing on the plane when he was rushing to get into the terminal. So I now had to have a phone conversation with him. I said, look, you're, okay, you have run out of money. This, this, this. And I said, don't give up. He don't give up. Um, he now said, yeah, he said there's a little glimmer of light at the end that uh, might be an opportunity to attend an accelerator in, in New York. I was excited. I said, yes, go and do it. Yes, yes. Just get it done. At that time, our money had turned to zero in this company called Fora. If I may ask you yes. a question, at this point, were you just encouraging him as a mentor or did you truly believe in what you were saying? At this point, 
I was giving him, I was keen into his hope. I wouldn't okay. even see as a miracle. I was just being a human being. And that's yeah. one thing I always try to ask, to tell people to even distinguish, right? I mean, there's a professional mentor where I'm mentoring you and there's the human side of things. A man is down already. There was you, what's my gain in kicking him? You understand? Yeah. If I keep yeah. kicking the man, he's already down. I mean, he's down on himself. Exactly. He's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's lost his power hundred and ten thousand dollars not because of a fairy fault of his, but because he never even understood the sector he was trying to tackle. Mm. Yeah. And the madness in the education sector in Nigeria. He was trying to sell something like Blackboard, what we have in America, or oh. where you used to teach. Okay, and okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 and yes, it's yes. a very simple idea, right? I mean, you, yeah. you see the way you said, okay, okay, okay. I mean, it was so simple, right? <laughs> I mean, it was like, why will it not work? And he got to Nigeria, and what happened? Covenant to say, yes, come and demo it for us, deploy it to our 1,000 students, and they would refuse to pay. Voila, yes, yes, yes. they would refuse to pay yes. because all of them are yes. having this uh, non-profit mindset for education mm-hmm. when they are collecting massive amounts of uh, dollars from students they were, were not willing to spend money on vendors or technology so it was no fault of ease he was signing off customers or users but there was no customer that was paying hmm. so I, I will encourage the young man I mean he's down he's down on himself he's tired He's been running around Nigeria, flying Okada up and down, you know, you know probably barely eating out of the scrapyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just encourage him, let's go to the sister, uh, this thing, uh, accelerator in uh, New York, and let's see what we make out of it. So five, three months, four months later, I didn't even forgot him completely. He just called me and said, ah, Michael, is this transaction that is going on now? You know the money that we lost? Eh? This guy, you remember he, that you were supposed to be there? I said, yes, now, yes, now. He said, he met uh, one guy that had taken some education company public and the guy wants to focus on Africa and he has his friend with Mandela's son and Mandela just died and they want to use the Mandela brand and they will call the company Andela. And that they were willing, that's where the name is, Mandela, Mandela, now you know. And because an education startup, they will use his technology for teaching to teach people software and this guy is willing to put He's willing to put his own $1 million and he wants his investors, in, he wants to carry his investors in Fora into the company because they're using his platform, yeah. the Blackboard, huh. for the ticket. Wow. And he said, in addition to that, the guy has however told him that your guys cannot just come in based on their $110,000 investment. Founders here, you, they have to pay $500,000. So he has come back to him now to say, Mr. Man, even though I've lost your money, I want to raise another 500k. Hmm. Idris said, I have a gut feeling that this is the transaction. Hmm. He said, uh, Idris, you are bad. What did I take down the But you know what Idris always threw back to me? He always threw back what I told him the first time. He said, pray and pray. Yeah, maybe we'll be praying. Hmm. And this thing came back. Hey, it's come back now. So let's go back in there. Yeah, <laughs> so okay. I talk I talked to Idris and I said, okay, no problem. I will do five thousand US dollars. Few friends, everybody we just mangled our money together here and there, here and there. We we're able to raise maybe I, I can't remember is that maybe hundred and fifty, two hundred and thousand dollars when he found some other people that did two hundred. Anyway, shall we had we're part of the angel round. We call it founders yeah. angel round. Yeah. Pre, this is not even it's pre-seed. This, uh, not pre-pre-seed, like they were two raised before even seed. Oh, wow. So, this was Andela's on the floor transaction, right? Yeah. Till today, we have preferred shares in Andela's results. Like, we don't yeah. have normal, ordinary shares. We have preferred. Hmm. 
Huh. And the type of investors is also quite interesting. I mean, so yeah. many of these Nigerian professionals in the diaspora, like yourself, with like yeah. years of experience. And also, yeah. it's also interesting that many of them are from the oil and gas sector as well, who are now trying to reallocate. Exactly. So it's very interesting. Very interesting. Yes. Because. Yes, it is. It is. You are very right. A lot of us we made our money from dirty oil. The point I wanted to make with this is a uh, story because he is just one person, to be honest. There are several other young people that were backed in that uh, momentous period, 2000. And again, you know, when things happen, they happen together. And I want to, you guys to understand that. You are, at, uh, you are where we were in 2009, 2011, right? So for you guys, you have to understand that when things happen, it's, you'll have done four or five years of preparation of work. Mm. And then suddenly everything will just yeah. happen together. Sure. That's sure. why you always, we always want to be present in the moment. Exactly. And when it happens, you don't really realize it is happening. It's only 2020. They say 2020 is, is hindsight, yeah. right? Yeah. So it is when you now look back, you know, remember, ah, it was then I met him. It was then I met him. You know, ah, so that year was really uh, that year when we were doing our end of year review, uh, depressed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that we got nothing, no money this year, no revenue. Michael had to send ten thousand dollars of his uh, father's money now. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we just do this kind of we always did our annual retreat and we always done it every year since two thousand and nine. And we I will give a report, right? So I'm sure twenty when I look, I go back to some of those letters, twenty nine, twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. And I read the letters and they were sounding very depressed and depressing. Not knowing that we're it was that was the when the action was happening. making grounds, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got kicked out of our first location in 2014, to be to, to be honest with you, wow. in uh, Lagos of Akron. They kicked us out, the Cerebral Bank ended the program and kicked us out overnight. Suddenly, about huh. eight startups that we were incubating were homeless. Hmm. And hmm. at that point, we now had to make a decision whether we we're going to go and get an expensive space or we we're going to move into the then government hub that they were setting up. Ideas, ideas lab in uh, okay. ideas of in uh, Yaba. So yeah. we said, okay, we made a deal with the government and said, we'll borrow you people, our uh, managing partner, which is Wally, to help you guys set up ideas, ideas of let uh, your our startups use your space. It was in ideas of that we met for a metric. I did one of our current portfolio member that Orlando just tried yeah. to acquire for about $25 million. Yeah. It was an ideas of, so I can go on and on. It was ideas of, we met Printivo. It was an ideas of, so a lot of these guys that came in with in that 2013, 2014, 15, it was a time of crisis for us. We had lost our space. It was also a time where we made some decisions. For example, mm. at one point, I, we got about $25,000 from a program we ran for European Union. And we could take that money and go and rent a space. But for metric wanted to raise money. Uh, Andela wanted to raise money. Uh, Kankwe wanted to raise money. No, Kankwe, yeah, Principal wanted to raise money. It must be a few other guys. And we said, no, we'd rather take that money and put it in the startups mm-hmm. and yeah. continue to watch. We'd rather squat mm-hmm. as ideas up and take the money and put it in the startups. Wow. Half of the startups died, half lived. Mm-hmm. So 2014, 2015 happened and came around. Things were getting a little better. We won some grants from Bill Gates Foundation to do some things. We were able to get our own space in the Badon. We were able to, we then got a small office in Lagos. And right about then, just before the end of 2015, Andela did his first Series A. And the result was mind-blowing for us. I mean, when they came out with their valuation at almost $38 million, something we invested in at about 25. Jeez. 
That's a little 10X right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said, we're like, dang. So this thing that walk like this? This is not Juju. <laughs> <laughs> so that give us confidence. So I call, I call 2015 the year of confidence. And so when you say what happened, how did I make the move back? That's the story I'm getting yeah. to. Mm. Wow. It yeah. was the depth of the lose, the lose of the lose, losing your space, not being able to pay staff salary for four months. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And this is the part that a lot of people wow. don't get. I mean, they just yeah. Yeah, they look at your life now, they see, I mean, like you're big now, but they don't even know what even went into. Mm. In 2015, with the confidence, myself and Idris said, you know what? There must be something to this thing we're going to move back. I, at 2013 already, when I left for the passes, all my little money I was able to scrounge, I bought a home in Abuja. Um, I didn't fully pay for it, but I could move in. So I started moving <laughs> my stuff in little by little. Um, so I moved my family back on December 31, 2015 to Abuja. Okay. Idris tried to pull the same stunt. His wife said, uh-uh, you're crazy. Move myself to Lagos because he was moving to Lagos. They no, you go and do your Lagos. Uh, <laughs> actually, their flight stopped over in Egypt on the way to Nigeria. She's enjoyed okay. uh, like Cairo. She's like, ah, okay, I cannot move back to Nigeria with you, but I can move back to Cairo. Oh, wow. So you go stay in Lagos. Me and the kids will remain in Cairo. So that's how you launched your Egypt office, pretty much from Egypt. That was not even out. To be honest with you, that was the first step. So I'm giving you the end okay. intro, right? Okay. The two years, Idris came to Lagos, tried, we did something. I was in Abuja, I was set up Abuja office. Idris was anchoring Lagos office, did a lot more transactions. Mark Zuckerberg visited. Andela, Andela's valuation went from 30 million to $7.5 million to $300 million. We did Flutter Wave in 2016. Things were now looking like we planned it, but we never really planned it. These things just happened. We um, 2016, we decided that we were going to start formalizing. When we were coming back, I now went to see Marshall. Myself and Marshall, off and on, we brief us. never put one money, one dime inside the company. No back in nothing, as I, up until this 2015, when we were coming back. So aside from Idris family moving to Cairo, I, myself and Idris, before we left US, we went to California to visit Marshall to explain to her why we were doing what we were doing. And she said, why? Okay, so Andela, that's the reason why you guys are moving back. How about the other? I said, we told that this, this other thing that we're doing, all that transactions that we invested money in. It's interesting. So why, if you guys are doing all of these um, interesting transactions, why don't you guys start a fund? We're like, okay, but we don't have money. She said, no problem. I'm willing to put in the first $500,000. Go and find other investors to come in with me. Moreover, I also want to have part of the management company. So set up a management company. You guys own Two thirds, I will own one third. Okay. That means I will provide, and I will provide hundred percent of the money to set up the company, to register the company, to everything. So that was what we did 2016, 2017. Hmm. And Egypt happened because Idris's family was in Egypt, and he used to go back and forth between Nigeria and Egypt, Nigeria and Egypt, Nigeria. He yeah. always did that trip for three months. And Andela suddenly got an investment from. I believe it was a uh, Tiger Medical or uh, Tiger Tiger Fund. Tiger Brands, yeah, like Tiger Brands, yeah, something like that. And uh, they said they were expanding across Africa, and they said, "Oh, we need to." We the home of tech talent in Africa seems to be North Africa. Egypt is the capital of North Africa, Cairo. Who do we know that have the tiniest relationship in Egypt? And that became us because we were part of the investors. 
So Idris flew to Cairo, went scouting for locations with Andela, introduced them to, you know, to 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 high institutions in Andela in in, in Cairo. Interestingly, that year also, the annual general meeting of the Afri Labs in 2017 was now based, was going to happen in Cairo. And I was the chairman. So I was also in Cairo. So it was just everything Cairo was happening in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so again, these things look like coincidences. We're just, again, if I was not the chairman of Afri Labs, who knows? Well, you know, it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, we helped Anela get into Cairo. And because of that, people associate Love Think in Cairo with innovation and Idris and all of that stuff. Hmm. And very quickly, transactions just started coming into the Angel Network from Egypt, from Tunisia, hmm. from Algeria. And Cairo was the hotspot for innovation, especially okay. on the back of the um, revolution that happened in, the, in there about that time too. And everybody was talking about Facebook and Twitter and all of that stuff. So yeah, this is the story of um, our entry to Cairo. It was happenstance, but uh, the reality is also. So after Nigeria, the second highest volume of tech investment in the last 10 years have gone to Egypt. 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 The two largest economy outside of South Africa, in Africa. Okay. And um, tech talent is massive. Investment in tech is massive. Yep. It's hot. Um, they have a very sound higher education system. Mm-hmm. Um, their connections to the Middle East as well as Africa and Europe makes them an ideal location for investment. And we, are, yeah. we have uh, bodies on ground. So you decided to move to Abuja instead of Lagos. I'm trying to understand why, why did you make that decision? Because, I mean, Lagos is the central location for everything in Nigeria, right? So why did you pick Abuja? Have you ever tried to come back and convince an American wife to come back to Nigeria and then <laughs> the first thing is you landed in Lagos. <laughs> you have to be out gradually. to be gradually. Some good roads. So uh, you find a spot where it's closest to our experience. True, true. Yeah, that's, that's, a good point. that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. You find a place that's closest to our experience. Now we know that you were one of the early stage investors in Flutterwave, right? Um, yeah. And Flutterwave is so big because I think this early this year they became a unicorn, right? Yeah. But can you just shed some light on how that came about? What really drew you towards that project? Uh, I wish I had a story. The week that Flutterwave was raising its um, its uh, Series A, I lost my dad, and you know how personal that was. Yeah, for me. yeah. He was my best friend and everything. Mm-hmm. I was in, very depressed. And Flutterwave to me is the reason why I will call Idris a brother, not just a partner. Hmm. You know, he just called me and said, Michael, I know you are going through a lot right now. And he just told me that he's leaving Andela and he's starting a new company called Flutterwave. Don't worry, I've checked it out. It's okay. I've already given him money. $2,000 of the money is your own. Pay me whenever you are done with all of your stuff you mm-hmm. can pay me next mm-hmm. year you can be doing any time in your life pay me mm-hmm. I said okay i said no problem thank you and then four or five months later i started receiving updates 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 and this company the revenue just keeps going up 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 i see now now blood money <laughs> <laughs> this company now now blood money be this one <laughs> 
So wow. that's, that was the story of Lotta Wave. It's not, again, these things, again, it's based on relationships, based on, it's not so much of uh, a structured process as much as it looked. Yeah. But what happened yeah. was that when we now created the fund in 2017, we, because again, the fund was, the way it is is that the angel investments group okay. invest in companies when they are pre-revenue. But the okay. fund can only invest when you're already post-revenue. So what we typically do is that we spray with the angel investment money. And then once you are one of the rising stars, we try to push you into the fund, which we actually okay. formally raised in 2017 through Marshall's money. And a few other yeah. people, including my first boss in uh, ExxonMobil, that trained me to be an uh, electrical engineer. He was retiring uh, in 2017 and called me. I said, what was I doing? I said, look, I'm sitting in front of the hospital waiting for my daughter to be born in Canada. He said, what are you doing in Canada? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm just here. Yeah, I've left corporate um, in the back in Nigeria. I said, really? Uh, what are you doing in Nigeria? Blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, you are starting a fund. Okay, send me the deck. He called me back and said, I will put $150,000 for my retirement money. Nice. You know? Yeah. And he also backed uh, the other project, which I'm also heavily involved in, as you, if, as uh, Dako knows, the ranch project. So I have a ranch yeah. here in Abuja. Oh, in Coco, so he also yeah. said, okay, I'll put one, yeah, said, I'll put 150 in the fund. I'll put 50K in the, in the ranch. It's okay. I was sitting yeah. waiting for my daughter to be born in, a, in the car. I see December day on, in 2017. So again, uh, things just tend to happen, but it's, it's often opportunity meets preparation and relationship. Yeah. In all of these things, I'm telling you, I hope one thing you have gotten out is about relationship. Relationship, yeah. You know, yeah, you build yeah. a lifelong, lasting relationship. Hmm. It's very clear how a lot of things that are happening in your life is just due to relationship hard work networking mm. and serendipity like it's just mm. it's, it's things are aligned yeah. yeah yeah i read some of your your articles on medium before this call mm. i was like okay and i found them very interesting the one you talk about japa you know when you really talk about yeah. the whole trend of moving back then yeah. so, so that brought to mind one of jfk's from saying you know when he said ask not what your country can do for you but what you mm. can do for your country you get mm. and in that same manner when you think about the future of African entrepreneurship, you know, diasporas investing, do you think that future of Africa relies more on that or on governments doing the push and pull, you know, changing the country? Which one do you think the weight lies more on? Entrepreneurs, stroke investors, or governments? It sounds like I'm being diplomatic, but the honest truth is that it takes more than one hand to hold off the moon, right? Yeah. And every hand has to hold it up. Yeah. We entrepreneurs must know that this thing we call government is not a, there's no one person called government. True, true. We entrepreneurs are sometimes part of government that we live. Like uh, Miss Mobola, when she created ideas of ideas, like she was in ICT minister. Today she's in PE world. She too will talk about government today. Was she not government for four years? Government <laughs> yeah, yesterday, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So at every point in time, one or two of us will be called into government. We leave, we come back. We, you know, we are in and out, in and out, in and out. It's very important. Yeah, you're right. Yes, it's a constant push-pull by us, you understand, to, to build the Nigeria of our dreams. And I always keep telling people that people underestimate the progress that we are making. Yeah. Everybody underestimates the progress. I mean, yeah, I mean, Idris was saying this week, he said he's surprised how that Nigeria's vaccination program has been way more successful than Egypt, despite Egypt's natural public health sector superiority. Mm. India is grappling with massive deaths right now with COVID-19. Yeah, India, Brazil is grappling with it. US is barely recovering. 
Yeah. Nigeria's economy is back 100%. The only two countries in the world that is back is China and Nigeria. Wow. That's the only two countries in the world that are back. Kenya, my friend, called me yesterday. He said, all families are dying on the streets of Nairobi as I'm speaking to you now. They're shutting down. Wow. Canada is going through their, like, yeah, it's in yeah. lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, in the middle of the, yes, kidnapping, yes, threats to life and limbs, accidents, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the part of human mystery that we experience here, hunger, diseases, as the case may be, but there's still progress. And I keep telling folks that, look, if you remember when the British left Nigeria in 1960, they left Nigeria with less than 8,000 graduates, just two functional public universities, 30 uh, higher technical education, less than 300 secondary schools and primary schools added together, with about 400 kilometers of paved roads. We are not there today. We have 33,000 kilometers of federal road. We have about 5,000 kilometers of pipeline. We have over 8,000 kilometers of railway. We have, I mean, I can continue going. We have over 200. Exactly. We have produced 38 million graduates in less than 60 years. I mean, again, let's remember the British ruled this place from 1900 to 1960. So we've had equal amount True. of time. So True. let's compare our track record ruling ourselves and compare it to the track record of the British ruling us. We've done better. Wow. Let me put it in that perspective. You're right. You're right. Yeah. We have to really down- take accounts. Yeah, why are we yeah. down on ourselves? We are the only country outside of Brazil that have built a modern capital from the scratch. This Abuja was a desert. Nothing was here in 1970. Bare land. And we turned into a thriving city of 4 million people. Beautiful city. Hmm. Outside of Brazil, we are the only two countries in the world that have built a modern capital in the 20th century. The last one that was created before that was Washington, D.C. in the 1800s. Hmm. So why are we down on ourselves? I really love this conversation because a lot of people just look at Nigeria from a different from from different perspective. Right? I mean, they just they focus more what they see on social media without mm-hmm. necessarily speaking with those who are on the ground and actually making trying to make things happen within the country. And that's why we're recording this, right? To to share incredible stories like yours. If there's one thing that you could say to, especially a lot of young professionals in diaspora, right, who were interested in either starting businesses or investing in businesses based in African countries, I mean, what, what would be your advice for them? First, focus on building yourself and assimilate the current environment you find yourself. I see a lot of us, we in America, we let, we pass through America, but we don't let America pass through us. You go to Nigeria restaurants, you go to Nigeria church. <laughs> I was living in a cosmopolitan city. So you have to absorb hmm. the environment where you have to build yourself up. You have to, if I did not link to a Kenyan called Dr. Jean Ingerode, my ex-girlfriend, who then linked me to Masha Wolf, a white woman, born in Wisconsin, born in Germany, actually, uh, the military brand yeah. unit, but from Wisconsin originally. Married to a Texan oil man. My, my story would be incomplete. Yeah, right. There has to be diversity in the picture to expand mm-hmm. your network. Mm-hmm. So focus on yourself. And you see, that's unfortunate thing about social media these days. All I see is that people who are complaining, who are focused on the external, but that they are the age. When you're in your 20s and your 30s, early 30s, especially, especially your 20s, it's a time to build yourself. Build. Yeah, yeah. Build yourself. Because the thing is that you cannot give what you don't have. So even if you hate the current condition of Nigeria, you cannot change it if you are not different. True. True. I like that. I'll keep that. You cannot change it if you are not different. 
Mm, that's very important. You have two of my favorite quotes now. <laughs> spray and pray on my first one. And the second one now. To <laughs> <laughs> so just round things up, what I want to know is, if you had a chance to invest in only one African company, only one African mm. company for the rest of your life, what would that company be and why? And there's no, you can't be diplomatic with this, with this answer. <laughs> <laughs> only one African company. Yes, only one. Only African. one. Uh, and, and that's your only investments. No other, nothing in, nothing in, nothing in, um, in Europe or America. Just one investment Just one, that yeah. African company. Ah. And I can, can I, I can choose my own company, Abby. <laughs> ah, I didn't see that company. I didn't see that company. I didn't see that company. That was a good one. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, so I would choose nothing. You know why? You know why? Because, you know, Enablers, we are, Lofting is a company of Enablers. And every dime we've expended investing in this company um, that we invested in our early days from our very little window mites, it has come back to us in millions of ways. Right, that I cannot begin to explain the rate of return of that investment. And in fact, the truth is, and I will say one last quote, maybe you like it, is that the best investment is an investment in yourself. It's the one that gives yeah. you yep. the highest rate of return. Yep. So, so that's true. And that was our conversation with Michael Oluwagbemi. Just FYI. You remember the, the investment they made with Flutterwave? Yeah, yeah, the one that happened by chance? That yielded over 27x return for them. Yep, do the math. 27x. Oh, man. That's a new Lambo. That's a new Tesla. Uh, I, I don't want to get carried away, but that just gives you an idea of what can happen when you put yourself in the right places. Thanks for listening to this episode. Feel free to like comment share with your network and don't forget to follow us on our social media pages on linkedin at squad facebook at squad and instagram at squad.co thank you once again it's been your host dapo and you have a wonderful week